in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season Show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. Topic today, frequently asked questions (laughs) on Two Earth Eschatology. We're going to go over today this idea and the questions that people ask about, okay, this this new teaching that I have about two earths, what's it all about? Maybe this will help clarify, I guess, yeah. some of what what I'm teaching here, this idea that we're, there's essentially two earths right now in our existence at the same time. And I'm going to try to use this frequently asked questions to clarify what all this means. We're going to go through this one question at a time, seven, eight questions or so. It's going to be pretty quick and easy, but we're just going to try to go over and answer your the main questions I'm getting over what I'm teaching here about this idea of two earths. Well, first of all, thank you all for listening and for um, asking these questions because you're seeking. And we want to help clarify the concepts that were we've addressed in other prior shows about the eschatology and how to make it more understandable. So that's the idea that this is not something new. This is something that I think the Bible has already always stated, but it's something that we're understanding as the truth to what the teaching of eschatology is and not what other truths that have, you know, people thought were truth that were already exposed out there. All right, let's start with question number one. You want to go ahead and read yep. question number one for us there? If the devil is thrown into the lake of fire, why is there so much evil in the world? Okay, my position is I believe the devil is already right now in the lake of fire mm-hmm. with the beast and the false prophet. So in other words, all biblical prophecies are kind of over. Now, a lot of people have asked the question, well, if the devil's gone, why is there so much evil in this world today? Well... <laughs> Just because the devil's gone doesn't mean that evil stopped existing. The devil's just one one entity, really. I mean, right. not only is there a multitude of demons running around, right? but also people in their hearts, even if there was not even a demon around, people typically will live according to their flesh a lot of times and will sin anyway. Well, okay? that's like the need for the evil out there is because people want to satisfy something dark in them or you know right. the, the bible talks about filling the void with the the that space is with god the only way we really truly get fulfilled is through having a right relationship with god well people try to fill that with the dark relationship and filling their flesh and pleasing it rather than pleasing god their creator just because the devil's gone he's just one yes <laughs> remember a third of the angels fell right so they're all around you know, mucking things up too 
And as far as we know, they haven't been thrown in the lake of fire because it was only the beast, the false prophet that went there first, and then the devil, just the devil, joined them later. Now, when do the beast and false prophet, and I mean, where when do the, the demons go? Well, we're gonna read about that in the next question, okay? A right. little bit. So that's first question number one. There's still a number of ways that people are still gonna do evil because their hearts are evil, and they'll just do that. Right. Okay. Let's go to question number two. So why didn't the demons get thrown into the lake of fire with Satan? The, we'll read a scripture here because we're gonna read Revelation twenty verse ten, and this should clarify exactly. Who was thrown into Mm -hmm. the lake of fire? So you want to go ahead and read this Revelation 20, verse 10 there. Just that one verse. And the devil, who is leading them astray, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they shall be tormented day and night to the ages of the ages. Okay, so some versions say forever and ever, but the point is... so. We know exactly who was thrown in the lake of fire at this point. It it was the beast of the false prophet were already there. They got they went in there in Armageddon. The Armageddon event got them thrown there. Now we learn that the devil was also thrown there. So now there's three of them there. There's no mention of these demons or all these fallen angels. Where are they at? Well, there's no mention of them there. We don't know. And of course, we know that they eventually will go there. And we're going to read the scripture that says, I believe, that Jesus states that they will go there. Go ahead and read uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 there. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil and his angels are going to be cast in the lake of fire. Or it says here, everlasting fire prepared. See, originally, the everlasting fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. But people are going there too. Again, just like this, this story that Jesus says is... There will be people that will go there, but the main purpose behind the lake of fire was the devil and his angels are going to go there. We know when the devil went there. We just don't know when the angels, his angels are going there because it only, the scripture we read above there, Revelation 20 verse 10, it only states Satan this time. Now I think, and and at some point in the future, obviously, the fallen angels will go there too. Right. I I think... It's clear that no one who is doing evil and living a dark, in the darkness realm will get away with whatever devious acts they are committing. I think God has a purpose and a plan for all of these beings to be put and punished. But we don't know exactly how God's going to do it all, but we don't need to worry that they're going to put be put where they belong. It's very clear, though, that no one is going to be unpunished. Question number three. Why didn't the demons get thrown into the lake of fire? Now, this is a question I get, I've gotten regularly. It's like, well, the, why, shouldn't the demons have gotten thrown? See, I think everybody kind of wants everything to kind of be over. At once. I, yes. I, I get it. You know, we all like, we want a finale to the to, to this song and dance we've been going over. But that's not the way God works. We re, we're conditioned to like, there's a beginning of the story, there's a middle of the story, then there's the end of the story, and then the, we're done. Okay, this is what kind of what we're used to. And usually at the end, there's this big finale at the end of the movie or at, at, at or the play or whatever we're watching, and then we know it's all over. Right. But that's not exactly how apparently God works. He doesn't work the same way that humans. His his mind and his thinking is well above ours. Right, okay? well, his ways are higher than our ways. Yeah, his ways are much higher than our ways. That's why it's like we don't understand the way he works. But I think there's a, a clue on why he's allowed these 
fallen angels, these demons, to kind of have their way around and still be still exists in the world today and we're going to read that because in judges israel ran into this problem that i think that we are running into today you know they were told hey you're going to go into the, the promised land and you're going to just go and you're going to kick butt and you're going to um you know take over the promised land but you know what they didn't do that job very well and they kind of disobeyed god a little bit because they didn't completely drive the people out okay so God is, and we're going to read this story here. Let's go ahead and read these five verses here in Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Okay. And um, this will tell us, I think, give us a clue on why I believe God has left these fallen angels on earth with us. And an angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to the place of weeping and to Bethel and to the house of Israel and said to them, Thus says the Lord, I brought you up out of Egypt, and I brought you into the land which I swore to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant that I have made with you, and you shall make no covenant with them that dwell in the land, neither shall you worship their gods, but you shall destroy their graven images, and you shall pull down their altars. But you did not listen to my voice, for you did you did these things. And I said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be for a distress to you, and their gods shall be to you for an offense. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. We see what happened here. Okay, the original design that God originally told them, just do not, just get rid of all this wickedness in your in your life and in your in your midst. But they didn't do it. And so, as a result, God says, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not going to drive those people out. And, and essentially, I'm going to, and they're going to be a distress to you or a snare to you. Right. Or they're going to be the ones to test you. This is, I think, the purpose behind why God left those demons behind. To test us. Mm. To be a distress to us so that we can learn, okay, we've got to fight now and struggle to overcome now. We can't, it's not just going to be this easy going, oh, we have no more enemies around. You know, we're going to, it's going to be cakewalk for us. God wants us to be strong. Right. And the only way to be strong is we have to go through tests. It's, you can't get stronger unless you test out your body, test out your spirit, and you go through tests in your life. And so God, I think, left these evil spirits around in order to test us, our resolve, that we that we that we could stand up against this wickedness and evil in our in our world today. Okay, so it's age old option: vanilla or chocolate. <laughs> the idea, though, yep. is that you can either have good or evil. Giving two choices, it makes one better than the other, far extreme because of what it offers. Now, the reason I think God did this too is also a remembrance. Those of us who trust the Lord with all our hearts, and we um, submit to him, we re repented of our sin, there's no going back. There's only going forward. And I think to remember that there is another choice, but we choose not to go that way. And I think that's the idea that I think he's given us to see, okay, you could live that way, but there's no hope in it. Or you can go this way, and there's all only life that leads to this path. I think that the reason why God has left these these wicked spirits around in order to keep us on our toes 
So that we, he wants, like I say, I really believe this is a proving ground, mm-hmm. this world. In order to see who's worthy to get an inheritance, who's worthy for eternal life, and God's allowing this to happen. Eventually, not only will, will this world eventually will reign supreme with righteousness eventually how long that might take right now we've got all these uh, uh, we got a lot people are turning towards wickedness all the time right and people are choosing that well it's almost the easiest path because it like what you said before it rewards you instantly god's path doesn't reward you necessarily instantly but you have the hope of eternal life and that to me is the only path worth taking but we have to go through and you know kind of test them and try them not necessarily have to test evil, but some people do, and then they realize, oh, yeah, that's the wrong way to go. I want to not have anything to do with that path. Question number four there. How are we in Satan's little season if it is in our distant past? Okay, as you know, I've already stated, I believe that Satan's little season ended around 1405 A.D. Mm-hmm. You know, I on another show, I talked about that, that um, essentially there was Christ's millennial reign was a thousand years mm-hmm. from... 70 AD to 1070 AD, and then there's 335 years of Satan's little season, which went from 1070 AD to 1405. And that's when I believe the original Satan's little season that in the Bible ended, okay, back in those days, okay? The Battle of Gog and Magog, which transpired, I think, around, what was it, 1360? Yeah, 1360 AD. Is, is my date for that one because you look, you know, in the book of Ezekiel, it explains all the weapons were used. And yeah, they would have used all those weapons back then for sure, no problem. Again, that's a distant war. Now, why am I saying that Satan's little season and why are we still in Satan's little season? Because Satan only means opposer. And people don't understand that because anybody who opposes God, matter of fact, Peter was called Satan right. by, by Christ one right. point. Because he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Christ called Peter Satan because because Peter at that moment was opposing Christ. Yes. See, what it means, Satan is just a title that means opposer. Right. And right now, in the dark age we're living in right now, we're living in the opposer season right now. Exactly. An- another one. There, there's been a number of opposer season, but right now we could sense how dark and, and distressful the time, the day and age we live in right now, that we're definitely living in the opposer season. Oh, yeah. It's so evident. But I, the idea is, it's not Satan himself, why we call it Satan's little season. It's the season in which evil is running amok. And evil is taking, like, a majority of society with it. And we have to, as believers, I believe one reason why it kind of is looking like that is that we need to stand up. We need to stand against evil. And live for God. And the only way that evil can't continue to have a foothold on the lives of people all around us, people we love, is by praying for them and being an example and a tool of witness and love that they can see and choose to, to live for God themselves. Well, if you read the book of Judges, Mm -hmm. you see that there was a cycle that was always used to the nation of Israel that I believe that we're going through those cycles today. What happens is you start out with prosperity, and then what happens is eventually when people are doing well, being prosperous, they they become weak, they get off their spiritual guard, whatever you want to call it, and then corruption starts starts creeping in. And that's the second thing. And after corruption creeps in for a while, then you get oppression by either outside forces or inside forces. 
you, you get corruption that happens. And that's where we're at right now. We're in this idea of oppression. We're being oppressed. We're living in a society that's oppressed. You can actually look at that model on our country, the United States, and see that happening throughout the historical. But it's that way with every, every country. country. Right. Yeah, but I can it's see always it. this model that goes. Country, yeah, the historical aftermath of what's recorded, you can see that cyclical pattern. Right, and after uh, the, this idea of oppression, which right now we're in the the area of oppression, we're being oppressed right now. We're being mm-hmm. enslaved right now. Mm-hmm. And once we cry out to the Lord and we get people to repent, get down on their knees, bow their knee to the Lord right. and, and, and start serving him and we, we start getting a movement going, yes. then we, that's the, the next stage is repentance. Right. And then at the repentance stage, it, go, it reverts back up to prosperity again. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do now with this show as part of the purpose of the show is to get people to get down on their knees and start repenting. So we can get out of the oppression that we're in. Because right now, nothing's going to change until people turn to the Lord and God will hear our cries and will hear our prayers and will allow us to get out of the oppression that we're in right now and go towards prosperity again. And that's the Chronicles 7.14 kind of idea. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a number of... And, of course, if you read the book of Judges... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this happens over and over and over right. again. These these four steps keep happening over with the nation of Israel. The whole book is just happening over and over and over again. Right. They they had to bring a judge in to help you know rescue them from their you know after they crash the Lord they get need need right. to get somebody in there to help and that always happens. But see, this is what we are going through now. But you see, we need to start crying out to the Lord, and Amen. people aren't doing that right now. And so this is part of the par- purpose of the show, getting the word out so we can get out of this oppression. Because right now, essentially, we're slaves. Even though we think we're told that we're free, we know that we're slaves. We know that we're enslaved to some extent. Okay, we've got powers above us, and we're not free people. Okay, only way to get freedom and liberty is we got to get repent and get out of the oppression, and then we can have liberty. Well, and we're free, free in Christ because we choose to live for God. Go ahead and read the next question. Are the devil and Lucifer aren't they the same? Okay, I'm getting this a lot because I, I now believe that the evil entity, the fallen angel, the demon, whatever you want to call him, that took over mm-hmm. after the devil was thrown into the lake of fire with the beast of the false prophet. Right. I believe it's Lucifer that is is running the show right now. Now, I don't think it happened overnight. I think it, it, it took number of centuries, you know, I don't know how it works in the demon realm and in the, in the dark realm, but I think they bide for power for a while. I'm kind of thinking that's how that, how they did it. And then eventually I think this, this demon that calls himself Lucifer. Now, you know, I don't think that it may, may be his real name, but we know that the secret societies of this world and um, are basically are Luciferians. They're the ones that worship Lucifer. Right, right. Okay. So this is why I really believe that the Lucifer... The demon that calls himself Lucifer, whether you know it that it was his original name or not, doesn't really matter. He calls himself that mm-hmm. is essentially running. It took over is is essentially the new Satan. And we're going to read in the scriptures I, this part of Isaiah that talks about this because Isaiah chapter fourteen talks about who Lucifer is. Now I here Lucifer is actually a king of Babylon, but I see what I think happened. Mm-hmm. I think this demon kind of mm-hmm. like saw this Lucifer in the Bible and goes, you know, I'm going to consider myself to be the name of this guy. Right. I'm going to take on his name 
as the more as basically Lucifer basically means uh, the light bearer, right? And so that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to take over, and I think essentially this is what he's done. Yes. And whoever this demon is now that's running things, in, in since the devil's gone, I think it's this light bearer Lucifer. He's embodied this um, this persona. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's just kind of what he's done here. Now we're going to read here real quick. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 10. If you want to go ahead and read that real quick. All shall answer and say to you, you also were conquered, even as we and are numbered among us. Your glory and your great gladness have come down to Hades. They will spread decay under you, and the worm will be your covering. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, who rose up in the morning. He who sends for all the nations is crushed to the earth. Or you said in your mind, I will ascend into heaven and I will place my throne above the stars of heaven and I will sit on a lofty mountain, on the lofty mountain towards the north. I will ascend above the clouds. I will be like the most high. But now you shall descend to Hades, foundations of the earth. You know, here, I think, like you say, I think it's, if you can read on, it describes that he's a man. So obviously he's not really a bit mm -hmm. entity. But I think this demon took over this persona of being Lucifer. Again, he's telling what he wants to do. He wants to ascend to the highest. Right. He basically wants to become the new god. Right. What he's trying to do. And this well, is what this king was doing. They all kind of desired. That's why they were kicked out of heaven. Right. they all wanted to be in God's throne. So, you know, this demon took over, and that's why I'm saying Luciferian worship started, like, in the 1300s, I think, which yeah. is pretty much during Satan's original, Satan's little season. Right. And so, yeah, that makes sense on, well, why would Luciferianism, you know, become a religion in the world during that time? And this kind of makes sense now. You, basically, the devil was, was grooming his successor. Right. And I think this is kind of what happened. And this is well, what, the what idea is that these guys don't have any power. If people don't worship them. But with all the rewards, I guess, incentivization that they give for those who worship them, and we're talking anyone in power right now, notoriety or anything, all these people have to give homage to the one who gives them that power. And if they stop doing that, he would have no power at all. That power that he is given through their praise and worship should be given to God. But they're choosing to give it to him. Yeah, demons don't really have any power anyway unless people give them that power. Right. And that's the same is true with every, but everything else. If people would just say no, stand up, no no to evil, it would be all over in, in one overnight. Amen. But people don't say no to evil. They right. they love what evil offers. They like, um, you know, the, the, they like they're addicted to their flesh. And so this is why they have power right. over people. You know, this is why I consider myself the, the Satan's worst nightmare because I... <laughs> Try to live my life in such a way that I I don't I'm not controlled by my flesh constantly, right. and so I I try to keep that in under, under control. And that's essentially what the Bible tells us to do anyway. So let's go ahead and move on to the next question here. Let's go in question number six. Go ahead. Do you believe a thousand years has been added to the timeline? Okay, I'm I'm getting this question a lot. I know a lot of people think that the, all these years were added to the AD timeline, and that there's a bunch of phantom years that have been added now. I used to believe that about 700 years were added, but now I don't really believe that happened. Uh, based just on evidence that I've seen, biblical evidence and stuff like that, main, the, mainly, the main reason why I don't believe it happened is because if it would have happened, it would have happened in the early, the, like the first millennium. Okay, that's where they would add those years at. But you see, you still have to deal with 
Christ millennial reign. So you got a thousand years of Christ millennial reign. Then you still have Satan's little season coming on board. So you still have those years. Mm-hmm. And that's 335 years. And so then you have, after that, the Gog-Magog War. Now, you know, you look at a description of the Gog-Magog War. And it's seeming like, so that's after, of course, the thousand-year reign of Christ. And after Satan's little season, or towards the end of it. And you look at the description of this war, and it's pretty old war. It looks like a war that happened well before the advent of gunpowder right. and weaponry. Obviously, knowing these facts, you go, okay, well, then it doesn't look like any years were added because where could they add the years then? Because if that we know that a number of years have transpired since uh, 1300s, and there wouldn't have been any time to add any, any years in. Right. And it would have been too hard to do that, I think, really in history to do that. So my first, I thought, no, they, and, and also it makes sense that they were, according to the subtraction of all the years in the BC timeline, why would they want to add any years in? That doesn't make any sense. Right. They, no, they were trying to get those numbers down as much as right. possible. Right. And this is, I think, essentially what they did. Now, there has been a number of, you know, buildings where the years have been mm-hmm. added to it, but that means that those, those, those buildings and that money was much older than what we're told it was. Right. I think they're trying yeah. to throw us off the path that this isn't as old as we think it is. Or there was a time frame that they're trying to not allow us to be aware of. They're trying to erase it from history. I think they want us to think that all these things, that, that people were backwards, the dark ages were really dark, when we know that they weren't. Mm-hmm. They were essentially, during a lot of it was during Christ's millennial reign, right. that a lot of these buildings, these great magnificent structures were built. And so we didn't go through any kind of dark ages like what they're saying. And so I think they use they, they they move around the numbers a little bit to try to fudge all this to try to get people to believe there might have been some years added, or they might want to get people to believe something like that that, that like that happened. But no, I, I really think that no, it's been over two thousand years now since the birth of Christ, right. and uh, we've and we have church history that kind of backs all that up with with the reformers doing their thing. You know, I was like, where could you fit in um, phantom years? It'd be really difficult with all the stuff that's happened. Well, it's all a deception. I mean, they're really just trying to throw everything out of whack and joint so that we get confused. It's all trying to deceive and mislead. So we just can't add anything to what the scriptures say or take anything away to fit our narrative. We have to accept the scriptures the way they are and understand, okay, if it doesn't make sense... Let's just keep reading and allow the Holy Spirit to help it all make sense. Go ahead and read question number seven there. I thought death was thrown into the lake of fire at the great white throne judgment. Why do we still have death here? Okay, so I'm getting this question a lot. (laughs) People are not understanding. They think that, see, if death is gone and thrown into the lake of fire, then there should be no death in the world. And see, this is where you have to read that text very carefully. You have to read it, and, and like I say, context is king. Right. And the, the how I'm able to figure a lot of this out is I read scriptures in context. And everybody knows, if you want to get the truth out of everything, you got to read the context of what it's saying mm-hmm. here. So we're going to read Revelation 20, verses 12 through 14 again. We're going to stop at a couple places in here because, see, you have to read those scriptures in context. Right. To see what it's talking about. Because a lot of times when you say, oh, death was thrown in the lake of fire and burned up. Oh, see, there's no more death in the world now. Okay, you need to realize what that's talking about. And we're going to go and read that scripture here. Go ahead. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. 
And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his work. You notice it talks about death and Hades. Right. The, the word death there, it, it's not referring to um, a condition of your life. It's, it's referring to a place, a location. Because it mentions here, death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them. Now, I want you to, uh, this, I'm going to read this a, a few times so you get this. There's a place called death. And there's a place called Hades. And these are the warehouses of the dead. All the way through most of, uh, of human history, that's where people went when they died. Right. They went to either the death side, which is, we talked about what death means. That means separation. Right. And then there was the Hades side, which is called also called paradise or Abraham's bosom. Sometimes it's called that. And if you read the story of the rich man and Lazarus, you can very get very clearly that there's two sides. There's a, what's called a lower branch of Hades right. and a upper branch of Hades. The lower branch of Hades is where is called the death side. This is the side that's that member the rich man went to in that story of the rich man and Lazarus. And he was in, in torment at that time. He was away from and, and separated from any kind of love of God right. in that place. Right. And that was a, and so that's why the author here, uh, John, calls that place death. Because it's a separation. From the good place where called Abraham's bosom, Abraham's side, whatever you want to call it, and, or called paradise, wherever right. it was, that was a pleasant place. That's where the righteous people went to. Right. So there were two places. There was where the wicked people go, which is called death. And then there was Hades or Abraham's bosom, you know, it's, or paradise. It's called a number of other things. Also called the grave sometimes in the Bible or Sheol in the Old Testament. There's a number of different words that's used to describe this place. Right. The point is, there's two locations of, mm -hmm. of where the dead go. The good side and the bad side. The bad side's called, the, is the name that they, they call this place is death. Now let's read this again. Death and Hades delivered up, so you see, both those places, both those warehouses. Right. Just think of two warehouses where you have good people are in one warehouse mm -hmm. and the bad people are in another warehouse. They both delivered up the dead that were in them. Right. Okay, if you just think of it that way, okay. And, of course, we know that Hades has a gate on it. There are gates on that, on Hades. Right. If you read the Old Testament, and we'll, we're going to have a show on, on the underworld and explain how Hades works and everything of that nature. It'll get more detail into this because this is where the dead went for most of human history. Right. It's only been recently that, remember, death in Hades has now been thrown mm -hmm. into the lake of fire. So, in other words, they went into the lake of fire, which we know that that lake of fire is not a consuming fire. Right. So, it's essentially, they there was a merger that happened. Right. Consolidation. Consolidation. Now, now where the dead go is not death in Hades anymore. Right. It's now, they've been combined with the lake of fire. So, this is kind of important to understand. Because this is the new place where the wicked dead go. Now, we know where the righteous dead go. They don't go to death and Hades anymore because that's been thrown in the lake of fire. And we know the right. lake of fire is only for the wicked there. dead. Yeah, that's only for the wicked dead. 
No, the righteous dead, we get a much better place. Well, if your name is written in the book of life, yeah, if you get life. If you're, yeah. And death and Hades, it says in verse 14, and death and Hades were then cast into the lake of fire. Right. See, those two locations, those two warehouses were then combined with the lake of fire. Right. And this is called the second death now. So now the, the this two warehouses became one giant warehouse. <laughs> okay, you got, I'm trying to explain this as easy as I can because people, they just don't read and I'm trying to get you to understand what this is saying. Well, I think the confusing part is that the warehouse that housed the evil dead was called death. Right. Now, the idea here is, is that when you die, you're not death, you're dead. Because it says here that the dead were delivered. So when you die, you are dead, and you enter the evil of the places to be housed, death. You entered the evil house of death, but if you were a righteous person, you entered paradise or yeah. Hades. The idea here is, is confusing is that one of them is called death. Right. You know, and but but I think I like it I like this idea that the dead in each of these places, but also in the sea. The sea delivered its dead. There's so, another locale. Yeah. Right. So so you're looking at three different kind of areas, but it doesn't say the sea is delivered to the lake of fire. It just says it delivered its dead. These there were places um, in, uh, in different locations that the dead were held, right. and one of them is called death. Right. That's the confusing part. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that part gets people, because they just read that word death, and they think, oh, death is gone now, because it got thrown <laughs> in the lake of fire. I'm like, okay, uh, you're no. not realizing that's just the name of the place that warehoused the evil dead right. throughout most of human history. Right. Okay? Cain was one, of, the, one of them. Totally, you know? I mean, it, it's so distracting to and, and understandable, so... And we don't want anyone to get distracted or confused. We just are trying to clarify what the scriptures are saying. Okay, so I hope that you understand. Okay, now the new place where the dead are warehoused is not going to be death in Hades anymore. Or the lake of fire. It's all been renamed into, what? The second death. Okay, so that's the new place. The new place is death 2.0. Or whatever <laughs> you want to call it, you know. That's the new location of where the wicked dead go. Right. And the righteous dead, of course, go to New Jerusalem. That's our reward for being a righteous person. Everyone else gets cast, has their part in the lake of fire, which is the second death. Right. Because they didn't choose Christ or choose God. They didn't want anything to do with God. This is why all you got to do is just choose God, okay? Amen. And live according to his ways, and then you'll be fine. I mean, this is what this is part of the reason for the show. Okay. So let's go ahead and... Question number eight. Go ahead and read that one. Isn't this earth supposed to get destroyed by fire? One of the things I have is I, on my two earths, okay? <laughs> Revelation 21, verse 1, clearly states two earths. And people are under under the illusion. Wait a minute, I thought the first earth was supposed to be destroyed well, we, we went into that scripture, okay, and, and looked into it. And, of course, we understand that the, the that, under, that phrase, passed away, does not right. mean what we think it means. It doesn't mean death, buried, destroyed, whatever else. It means you pass by it and away from it. Right. Okay. So, it, you know, of course, we, Revelation 21, 1, and I saw the new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth, that's the one we're on right now, folks, right. had passed away. So he went away from it. And so if you want, if he wanted to say that it was destroyed, he would have used the word 
and the first heaven and the first earth had perished. He would have used that word perished. Because the word perished actually means destroyed, gone, finito. It's not coming back anymore. Right. And that word is, the author has used that word before. Right. And so we understand, no, no one's, the first heaven, first earth did not perish at all. Right. He just, when he saw the new heaven, new earth, that's where he was going to. And that's where everyone goes to. So that's why when you people die today, they say they've passed away because what they've done, they've left this world. Right. And they've gone to the new world, the new earth. So I'm trying to think of another way to mention this. And I think I've come up with it. I have passed away from high school into college or into a new season of my life. So you're moving from one to another. Right. And and so it's not, my high school is still there and people are still graduating from it, but I'm no longer there. I've moved on to adulthood moved on to other things. And so I think that kind of is an idea. If you want a, a, right. a, a visual, you move on from one to another. Well, and what compounds a problem, okay? <laughs> Not just this word passed, this phrase passed away, okay? Right. But then you look at the scripture in Second Peter. We're going to read this here real quick. Because if you read Second Peter and you don't really understand where we're at on the timeline or anything, it'll you'll get the impression this earth was obliterated. And so let's go ahead and we're going to go ahead and read this passage of scripture really quick because yeah, for the second Peter passage of scripture does seem like it's trying to say, yeah, this earth is being completely wiped out and destroyed by fire. And then the new earth is coming down. Okay. It does seem to indicate this. And so we're going to read this and I'm going to show you that this isn't talking about the end. It was talking about the Armageddon events that Peter was trying to tell his audience about because they were about ready to go through all this stuff. Right. Well, and that's what we have yeah. to keep in mind. A lot of the things that the writers um, were referencing to were events that were going to occur in their time frame, right. not in ours. Right. The way that people read the Bible, they read it as to thinking, this is going to happen to us. And that's what a lot of teachers and people in the churches are trying to push people into thinking. Please hear this carefully. Just because it states these things happen in the Bible doesn't mean it's for our time. And I think that's one thing for me. I had to go, okay, if this was for their time, I have to just be okay with it already have happened. And understand that I God has a purpose and a plan for us and everyone living now. It may not be recorded detailed by detail to what's, how it's going to um, unfold for us. But we can be okay with that. But we can see what they had to write about that it was going to unfold in other time that is not our own. Okay, so go ahead and read 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 10. Okay. Okay, so just read that one verse, and I'm going to go over this a little bit because this has some things in there that you you get the impression that, you know, this is, you know, really bad. Okay, go ahead. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Okay, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah. I'll admit that. Okay, that sounds like, you know, the earth is going to get completely destroyed here, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what, you know, of course, we know that phrase passed away. We're not going to get <laughs> fooled by that one again because we know what that means. It doesn't right. mean destroyed or whatever. It means it's going to go away. It's, 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 it's going to pass by it, you know. But, see, again, fire raining down mm-hmm. from heaven, okay? Fervent heat events and stuff like this. So we're thinking, oh, man, this is really bad. But, it, you know, like I say, this is part of the judgment against the nations. Right. That was the, on the part of the Armageddon events. And I'm going to prove this, as I always say, 
biblically that this isn't mean, oh, this is the death to the earth and there's nobody that can survive all this. Because we're going to continue on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what, what I mean. Okay, go ahead and keep reading. Therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in a whole, to, in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Okay, so here again mentions the um, heavens being dissolved, the um, the earth with fire, there's a lot of fire going on, a lot of you know heat, a fervent heat event, and all this other stuff like this. Mm -hmm. This is again. Armageddon events. This is this is a judgment against the nations. Wasn't the entire earth got burned up? It was there were d depending on the, the nation states and whatever. There was a lot of fire. As a matter of fact, that's why you have all these melted buildings around. Right. If you've seen pictures of those, you still have a, a lot of a lot of mountains are actually melted buildings in these days. Right. And, and this is all fervent heat events. Right. Okay. This happened all over the world during this time. And uh, that doesn't mean the whole world's completely wiped out. It just that it, it was melting because this is a judgment against the nations at right, this time. Exactly. Okay. And so, of course, the heavens. Of course, heavens means sky. You know, it was hot outside. It was like <laughs> you, you know, you know, melting and everything else, being on fire. The element, everything was burning with fervent heat. But you know, at the very last verse here, and we're going to read this last one right. because this is what we're all what he was telling his readers that we're all looking for. Right. Okay, go ahead and read that last verse there. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Okay, so again, you know, I've always stated this before. Yeah, the new earth, new heaven, new earth. Yeah, it's gonna, it's a completely different story than the one we're living on now. Right. You know, <laughs> there, you know, righteousness reigns supreme. Here, you know, obviously not that, not that that gig right now. Mm -hmm. There's still gonna be wickedness on the new earth. Don't get me wrong, but. Righteousness is going to dwell there and is going to be running that joint right. as a, as opposed to the exact opposite you have here in this world. Right. Okay, where do I get this impression that okay this is a this is the Armageddon events? Well, Zechariah fourteen mm -hmm. describes this event. Okay, again and uses some of the same exact phrases here that second that Peter used in, here in Second Peter, and we're going to read that real quick because again this idea of dissolving and everything. All those words, exact same word is being used here right. in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12. Go ahead and read that one. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. Okay, so the heat was so strong mm -hmm. and with this burning and this heat event, and we know... You know, if you keep reading on from this, yeah, people are still alive after this event. It isn't like, oh, everyone on earth died no. because it burned up the whole earth. No, then later on, you see all the, the people that are the survivors of this war right. coming out and going, okay, we better serve the Lord and everything else. Of course, that didn't last long. We, we, we recognize that pretty quick. The Gog Magog war happens and you got this monstrous army that showed up. Right. So obviously, the, 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 the thousand years later, you know, th people were ready to go to war against God again. It's like they don't learn their lesson very, very carefully. But no, here God again, God used fire even in the Gog and Magog war. Yeah, right, right, right. Fire is a common way <laughs> that God uses to to judge the nations here. And mm -hmm. Peter's just describing this is the coming day of the Lord. Right. That you guys are. Do you want to escape all this? He was telling his 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 readers this. Right. Okay. 
And of course, Peter was, you know, was writing to these these churches and whatnot, saying, you know what, if you you got to serve the Lord unless you want to go through this fervent heat event that you're going to have to go through. But you know, we have a promise of this new heaven, new earth coming. Now we know from Revelation that doesn't show up until a thousand years later. Right. Okay. So no one's going there right away. But Peter's just reminding them that okay, there's if you want to get out of this, get out of the flames, right. get at, be rescued from all this stuff. Right. You better be serving the Lord. Right. This is what he was basically saying here, Peter's. So this is not saying, oh, the whole entire earth was right. going to get, you know, become a French fry. <laughs> That's not what it's saying here, okay? Because there are areas and pockets of the earth, obviously, that weren't judged quite as harshly. We learned right. from other passages that didn't turn into a French fry. It was just a lot of it was. Well, there is evidence around us of fossilized things that could only have happened and could only have been fossilized through fervent heat. Yeah, a lot of um, animals, a lot, you know, Type died. Animals. Yeah, mm -hmm. died from that, and you know, we see not only huge animals, but, because a lot of that happened on the flood events. Exactly. But but we see a lot of built, melted buildings and melted structures, and I think a lot of that happened during the, the fervent heat events. Mm -hmm. It was you, you definitely see a lot of the, the heat was melting rock. A remnant of yeah. something. And so people that were earth. around, obviously, they died because the heat would have been too much for them. They would have killed mm -hmm. them immediately. And so a lot of people, you know, went into caves and, and they, they survived by going into caves and whatnot and living. And that's a part of what how, how people were able to survive all that. So I don't know about you, but answering all these questions, it's made it very clear that evil is running rampant. But I guarantee you, fear that we should be having is through God and what he can do. Because fervent heat, I mean, there's a punishment that I think he is saving for all these evil entities and people serving these evil entities fire seems to be i mean the lake of fire that's you know there's a like you said there's a lot of fire symbolism through punishment by god and i certainly that is one i don't want to have to suffer in well that's why we don't want to be on the bad side of god ever. you know <laughs> no. we want to just serve him we, we got to stand up because we're living in satan's little season 2.0 that's right not only because it's right there in our bibles but because it's the only thing that makes sense Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright Living in Satan's Low Season production.